little bit of corn to get the podcast started. Thanks, courtesy of, uh, what's the station? Um, 107.3 The Fox. No, 102.5 The Bear. I flip between those two stations. Uh, 102.5 The Bear is a central Texas rock station that I've uh, enjoyed for, oh, I don't know, seven, eight years now. I remember, I remember very clearly in that old house that uh, my family and I grew up in, that my brother had a bumper sticker on his wall for 97.1 The Eagle, and I always was just curious about that. What is that? What, what, what kind of radio station is it, or who are the people on it? And as I got older, you know, I didn't really think much about it. I just listened to it because it had rock music on it, and I enjoy rock music. I enjoy rock, 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 hip-hop, a little bit of country every now and then. I've got to take it in doses, though. Listen, I don't know how Jamie can listen to country all the time. It's, it's, I just don't, it doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't evoke any feelings from me. I mean, there are a couple, there are a couple that are pretty good. Uh, Daddy Let Me Drive by Alan Jackson. That's a pretty good song. Um, I mean, there's more, but I'm not going to get into all that. Uh, just 102.5 The Bear. I actually met one of their uh, radio jockeys, Fish. Fish was a pretty good dude. He was in the Navy, too. Um, he's the crazy thing about him is that I think in the last 10 years he's moved seven or eight times. I, I don't know how long he stays in one place, and I, it boggles my mind. It's like, how do you, how do you get established? How do you get, you know, how, how can you afford a house and you know, the, the utilities and groceries and furniture and everything that goes into moving around here, there, and everywhere? You know, he's he moved to Corsicana, and he was a jockey there, and then he went up to Ennis, then he went up to Fort Worth, and then he came back to Waco, and then he went, went to a couple different other places. You have to excuse me, I'm still dealing with that post-nasal nastiness. Um, it's just crazy that he uh, has, has done some of the stuff that he's done, and, you know, he's obviously lived a very full and, and interesting life. Um, I used to call in on his radio show a lot when he was asking stories about people that you know. It was pretty, it's pretty funny stuff. He, um, he's not on it anymore. So if you're trying to find fish, I don't know where you'll find him these days. I have to look it up on Facebook or Facebook friends. His first name's Keith. Um, anyway, so I'm on the podcast today. Uh, it's Jamie's 30th birthday. And I really wanted people to come and show up for her like, you know, I would have wanted people to show up for my 30th birthday party, but it was just me and my family. Uh, Yeah, surprise, surprise. Um, But I remember that, you know, it was cool that my family was willing to get me cake and have me come up and all that stuff. But they when they sang happy birthday to me, it sounded pathetic. It sounded almost depressing. And I was like, we're not going to do that for Jamie. I know her mom doesn't really hold her up as high as her brother. So, what she did not get at home, she's going to get up here, which would be her friends showing up, having a decent dinner, and having cake that she likes to eat. Uh, She went gambling the other day and lost some money, but I I guess we're just not lucky in that way because her friend, who won over two grand last time, won again. And it's... (sighs) It's frustrating. It was like, how much do you have to start betting before you actually get some returned, right? It's just ugh, it's aggravating that you can't, <laughs> you can't ever tell who it's going to be. 
and it turns out to be the same person over and over and over. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, can't win them all. So, we're um, I'm heading into to Waco to uh, to get all this stuff situated. I got some decorations. I got a gag gift for where it's uh it's like a fishing hat, but instead of like fishing hooks and crap on it. It's got, you know, old people stuff on it, like pill bottles and prune juice and little catchphrases about how they're getting old because <laughs> she's not in her 20s no more. Um, her birthday's actually tomorrow, so for the last day of her 20s, uh, we're going to honor her youth. And, and you know, I, I gotta say, I know I'm still young. I don't fucking feel it. I know I'm only 35. Um, I'll be 36 this year, but I, I fucking, I feel like I'm in my 40s. My hips are, starts hurting when I'm cold. My knee starts hurting. It's hard for me to, to not um, sleep. It's, excuse me. Let me back up. It's hard for me to not have a good functioning day when I don't sleep enough. You know, it's just gotten more and more draining over time. And Oh, maybe it's the meds. I don't know. Uh, Man. So, all I know is, is I can't keep <laughs> aging looking the way that I look I'm too soggy I really I really am pleased with the, the progress I've made with my strength but man I'm I'm soggy I gotta lose some weight and uh, Levi was a guy I work, work out with um, he he said it's like hey man we gotta get you in some cardio you know you gotta come do some uh, jujitsu with me and I mean the dude used to the Roy pump and and freaking live for for days and you know he's kind of backed off of all of that now that he's in his 40s and um instead of you know running and and doing all kinds of calisthenics now he does jujitsu and he keeps trying to get me to go with him but i just don't have the money right now i remember i looked at one uh jujitsu class and they wanted i think 450 for the year which that's great but they, it's like um it i, I want to be able to pay that but <laughs> with me being in the situation I'm in, I've got other things I need to pay for first. So it's like, damn it, man, I really want to get in there and I really want to get my skills back. Um, I used to train in the military and that's something that not everybody gets. Everybody thinks that when you come out the military, you're this badass that can fight. No, that's not always the case. In fact, when I was going through my training, they wanted to uh, impress upon us with extreme uh, severity. It was like, we really, really can't stress this enough that y'all don't go out in town and try to pick fights. We're just showing you the basics. We're not showing you how to, you know, take down a larger opponent with more, who's more skilled than you with these techniques. We're not teaching you how to fight three guys at one time. We're teaching you the basic shit that the military wants you to know should you find yourself in a physical altercation, whether it's with the enemy or if you're just defending yourself from someone random. So... I, but I, I mean, I, I did train um, with the instructors who were, you know, five, six years into the, the martial arts program. And the program that we were in was called the Marine Corps Mixed Martial Arts Program. The Marine Corps Mixed Martial Arts Program, which I'm, I'm thinking it's still in place today, is uh, a very um, precise program that teaches you very specific skills. And it's actually pretty pretty successful in doing like body hardening and doing um, different takedowns and chokes and counters. There's actually some really cool videos of uh, some black belts out there that were um, doing rifle techniques. And 
This is no shit. A large ass knife attached to the end of a rifle. It's called a bayonet, and they're they're jabbing these rifles at each other, and they expect you to catch that motherfucker in a proper way so that you don't tear your hands up, and then take the rifle from the person who's holding it. So <laughs> that's the high end skills. Um, the mid range skills is like blocking those attacks. So you got to block a right rifle strike, and I'm gonna tell you this, man. There's no amount of body hardening in the world that can prepare you for that. That shit just hurts. Um, I met a, a person that broke their forearm doing that, blocking a rifle strike. And, and it's just, it, it gets to where it's almost like just punishing you. And you haven't even done anything wrong. <laughs> I remember um, during my class while we were training, we were hitting the punching bags. And you got a partner with a football pad and you're just punching it over and over and over. And they matched me with a dude that was like... 50 pounds bigger than me and was just like tough it up son and I mean that dude was putting his weight into those punches I was doing my best not to fall on my feet or fall off my feet so I'm just sitting there leaning into it as much as I can this dude's just wailing on me <laughs> he was so much he was so much bigger than me man he's pushing me around like a rag doll so you know I was like 19 yeah I was 19 when I was going through that no I'm wrong I'm, I was 20 I was 20 going through that that's right god dang it I think I might be wrong again because yeah, yeah, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. It's I was 20. It was 2008. Oh, God damn it. Yes, it was 2008. Shit. Um, when I finished that time, I'm losing my mind as I get old. Uh, it's 2008. I was in North Carolina. Um, there's a camp, a Marine Corps base called Camp Lejeune. And it's, uh, it's said that way, even though it's not spelled that way. It's said that way, and then there's a camp right next to it called Camp Johnson, and that's where a lot of students go, and I was a student at the time, so I was on the, that base for, I think, three months. Was it December to February? I want to say it was uh, sometime in December to the end of February, and then when I graduated, um, they immediately stuck me with an infantry battalion that was going to Iraq, and I had like 31 days to get ready, which that's kind of funny because I pulled this April Fool's prank on my brother that was ingenious like he bought it hook line and sucker right and i was telling him that i was getting activated and this is back when i was first in this is after i got out of boot camp and i go to my uh, my general job training uh, i was in corman a school up in illinois and um this is back when i was first in i was brand new i think i'm i'm barely 19 yeah yeah i turned 19 in boot camp so this is like april 2007 that's right April 2007, and I called my brother up telling him about how I'm going to get deployed and yada, 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 and uh, you, could you talk to mom for me? I don't have the heart to tell her, and you know, we have this conversation, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, man, I'll talk to her. What do you want me to say? Tell her it's April Fool's Day, and he hung up on me, so <laughs> um, that's funny that I said that because fast forward to 2008, what happens? I get deployed, <laughs> and I didn't have a whole lot of training to get me ready for that either. Granted, yeah, I went through um, a class, and it's called Field Medic Training Battalion, which I, th I think that's, we were either the first or the second class. I think we were the second class, because the first class that was before us, of Field Medic Training Battalion, they got uh, the rifles ready that we were going to use for the rifle range. So we were the first class to use those, the M4s. And um, the first class, I don't know what they shot with. I guess they shot with the 16s, I don't, I'm not sure, but. Anyway, uh, before that, it was Field Medical Service School, and what it basically teaches you to do is to be a paramedic, 
you uh, you learn how to stabilize, you know, life-threatening injuries on the outside of the hospital and blah blah blah. Anyway, that was um, that was after I had gotten uh, introductory medical training as a hospital corpsman. They call that a quad zero. So you just you have no specialty code. You have um, no special. You, you don't have really much experience. You can be a quad zero for a long time, and you'll be a, basically a medical assistant, really. And yeah, you'll get experience on how the clinic works and what your job role is, what's expected of you, and you'll get good at your job. That's not saying that you know specialties make you better, but specialties inform you on other parts of medicine. So there's specialties in cardiovascular, there's specialties in diet, there's specialties in internal medicine, there's specialties in go on so on and so on and so on blah 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 so I um I was on Camp Johnson for that training and I finished that uh and then you know the next thing I know it's like oh man karma's a bitch ain't it you spoke it into existence next thing you know you're getting your ass sent over to Iraq and I didn't now just to be fair um that was the contract that I signed it set me up for that which you know, I, I was really pissed about, but what can you do? That's what you signed up for. And to kind of elaborate on that, most people that get ready for deployment, they have anywhere from six to nine months of training before they leave. It's physical conditioning. It's scenarios based. It's exercise based where you're doing like a patrol or you're doing uh, an overnight situation, staying up overnight. It's going to the rifle range a lot. Infantry goes to the rifle range a lot. They go to a rifle range, I want to say, like every two fucking weeks. They're going for three or four days. And, I mean, you wonder why divorce rate in the military is so high. You're always keeping them fucking gone. Anyway, um, this is back not when the war had kicked off. This was kind of in the middle of the war in Iraq. Or at least the late, the late early period, if you will. So, everything really kicked off in 2003 in Iraq. And... Uh, action picked up. You had the Battle of Ramadi, the Battle of Fallujah, the fall of Baghdad. You had all that stuff. Um, I mean, it was the wild fucking West out there where, you know, they're dropping down propaganda saying that if you're still in this village by this day, if we see you moving, you're dead. <laughs> that was the initial approach moving out there. And then we learned over time, it's like, hey, we can't do this. These people can't just back up and leave. We're killing, you know, people that are not involved with the insurgency and, you know, you, you hear different sides of the coin from everybody. And I'm going to talk about the coin thing in a second because there's actual story about a physical coin um, from my time being overseas. Anyway, so what was I saying? Uh, yeah, so there's people that talk about, you know, different sides of the, us being over there in, in the Middle East. It's like, they didn't want us there anyway. I say kill them all, yada, yada, yada. And then some people are like, man, they really did want us over there because the insurgents were were brutally murdering them and threatening them and taking their kids and raping their daughters and you know in some cases both of those things are true uh not the whole killing every one of them you know because there's still kids and old ladies over there i'm not uh feeling good about killing any of them they can't do shit to anybody so with um the the you know the middle age the fighting age males is what we called them the fighting age males you know some of them wanted to kick America out because they, they had a sense of national pride and, and jihad and protecting their homeland. And then they had some, uh, you know, they, they just didn't want our way of life being brought into their way of life. They wanted to keep things separate because that's all they've ever known. And they look at American way of life as temptation and it's going to 
lead them to lose their ticket to paradise when they die. And they, I mean, who wants that, right? Who, who fucking wants that? Um, and then you meet some cats. Uh, this is more about Afghanistan than it is about Iraq. Because there are some people out there from Iraq, but you probably won't know who they are. But you should know who this person is because she had the cover of her magazine where her face was brutally scarred and mutilated by some rapists that had uh, taken her and um, had promised her to somebody in the Taliban. And she didn't want to marry him. She didn't want to marry him. She was like, I don't, I don't want this. This isn't what I choose for myself. And they're like, you don't have a fucking choice. You're going to do what we say or we're going to make you do it anyways. And... That's ended up what happened. But she ran. She she escaped. And the first time she she tried to run, they caught her and they beat they beat her so bad that uh, she she was close to death. And they ripped. Well, they didn't rip. They cut her nose off in one of her ears. And they were like, "Oh no, I've got the story wrong." She didn't um, try to escape more, multiple times, which I, I'm pretty sure she did. But the time where she got her face uh, all marred is when they left her for dead. So, yeah, they cut her nose off, and they cut her ear up, and her face was just fucked, and they were just going to leave her out there to die. And she ended up living, and she found her way to the U.S. where she's had plastic surgery. And she's still dealing with the trauma of, one, being raped, but, two, being brutally attacked and nearly, you know, killed. And that's that's just one story out of thousands of people that come from that area that aren't Taliban or Al-Qaeda. You know, those extreme organizations, and people throw that word around a lot, but these guys are, they're savages. Those organizations, they don't they don't want anyone else to live different than them. They think that, you know, if you go against their law and you're a part of their community, they have the right to kill you. And I've, I've seen videos. Um, so this one lady, you know, they, they brought her out into what was like the village center or whatever. And, you know, she's wearing all black, which is what Taliban does. They wear all black and... Uh, they're speaking in some language that I can't understand, but they've interpreted it so you can read the captions. Whether or not this is true, I don't know, but I've, it looks it looks real to me. It doesn't look fake. And so um, she's like begging. She's pleading. You know, she's she's trying to be quiet because she knows that if she runs her mouth too much, they're going to slap her around. But she's she probably looks like she's in her 50s, uh, maybe even late 40s. Uh, she doesn't have all of her teeth. She's, she's kind of chunky because, she, you know, people over there don't work out. Um... You know, so she, but she's obviously been a hard labor person. They've made her do, you know, the chores most of her life. The women serve the men over there, and there's certain things that the women don't do, and certain things that the men don't do. But you know, I, I saw a woman carrying fucking bags of fucking uh, wheat or whatever, or some sort of uh, harvest crop, and they're carrying that shit on their back in the heat while the men are at fucking home. Anyway, moving on. Um, so this lady in this video, she's you know trying to. to appeal to these guys not to you know that it wasn't that serious that this will never happen again please don't do this to me and uh, they accused her of wearing red a red article of clothing like a scarf or I can't remember what it was but it was a piece of red clothing that they found her wearing and they determined that was punishable by death can you imagine you wearing the wrong fucking piece of clothing can get you killed by the government you know that's that's her that's her local government that's that's killing her. Um, granted, you know gang violence happens and that's over clothes and and what colors you wear. Yeah, that's that happens, but that's criminal violence. With this, this was an institution that you know they they make decisions about daily living. They help uh, spread the rations around so that everybody has enough. They defend the property in case people try to come and take land or livestock or whatever. And, 
anyway, they'd make negotiations and all that shit. You know, real tribal stuff, like BC era. Anyway, um, you know, they killed that, that poor lady. They put a pistol to her head and capped her ass. You know, and... Ugh. That's I so like I said. There's flip sides of the coin. There's people that are out there that see that that they're sick of it happening to their loved ones. They're sick of their kids being taken by Cal- Taliban and being made to to go fight fight for them. They're sick of their daughters being captured and raped and forced into marriage. They're they're sick of their livestock being taken. They're sick of being threatened. You know, and this still happens. Of course, it still happens. Like minority groups over there are prosecuted on the daily. Like it's it's a modern day you know. Holocaust. They're trying to, you know, eliminate all these other demographic groups that that they don't want to have around. And um, we can go into the technicalities of that, but we're not going to do that on this podcast. But anyway, so you see, uh, you know, all these people getting brutally murdered, and it's it's fucking heartbreaking, man. It's heartbreaking. And there's plenty of people out there that want to fight and resist, but they don't they don't have as many guns. They don't have as near as, near as much experience. Some of these cats have been fighting since I was a kid. Some of them even before that, and there's not very many that live that long, but there are some, you know, um, and, and people try to get all pissed off about Trump dropping that drone strike on that one, uh, it was a Pakistan or Iranian uh, officer, military officer, I can't remember if it was Iran or, or Pakistan, but he killed that motherfucker, and I, th- I, th- I said, thank God, that guy's going to keep murdering people, he's going to keep trying to kill Americans, or people that aren't, you know, are, um, that don't belong in his country, according to him. So I, I say, man, good, good on you, Donald Trump, for doing that. You know, you had the the nerve to step in and say, this person's a bad guy. I have the power to take him out. I'm going to take him out. So take him out, and they did. You know, there's very few instances where it's that cut and dry. This guy is responsible for funding and supplying people that were planning improvised explosive devices across the Middle East that didn't just kill Americans, but they killed all kinds of people. And he is the head of that operation. And so they took his ass out. And, and you know what happened? Nothing. Whole bunch of threats, whole bunch of talk, uh, Russian and invading Ukraine, but you know, whatever. That has nothing to do with the Middle East. And um, you know, not, nothing fucking happened after that. They're like, uh, you know, John says, hey, you want to see the sun? We'll, we'll do a sunrise on your bitch ass when we drop a nuclear weapon on you. Because <laughs> we know some of you don't have those. So keep on fucking around. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that approach. Granted, it's, you know, it's the same approach they used with the Hiroshima bomb where they drop this destructive bomb. It kills all these people. And they're like, okay, we surrender. Um, I don't agree with that because a lot of women and children were killed in that too. And uh, I, I just don't want to see that repeated, right, on a large scale. You know, collateral damage happens, and that's just something that you have to accept if you're going to go to war. Women and children are going to die. That's that's the sad reality of it. Whether it's by accident or on purpose, that's even the worst reality is that some of these guys actually mean to kill these women and kids. Um, and if you haven't taken a life, man, I, I just encourage you to not, not try. Don't. Don't get brave and say, I want to know what this feels like. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So, you know, I, I, it's funny to me that I hear a lot of people talk about what we should do over there. It's like, one, they've never been there. Two, they've never been in a gunfight themselves. Three, they only watch one news channel. And four, they usually say it when they're drunk or angry. <laughs> is, uh, 
Yeah, you have you have no clue what you're talking about, do you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's all right if that's how it's going to be. You know, just say whatever you got to say. And people try to get pissed off that are veterans that are like, no, you have no right to burn or step on the flag and say all that stuff about my brothers in arms that died. Yeah, they do, man. That's the fucking freedom of speech. I mean, it's offensive and it's disrespectful, and I hate it, but. I'm not going to fucking stop anybody. I can't. I mean, it pisses me off, and I'm going to condemn them and say, you're the worst kind of people. Burn your own fucking country's flag. Flags that have been laid to rest over people's coffins that, you know, try to make a difference and stop people from wanting to kill you, you know? Um, flags that I've had to personally fold and hand off to people. That's that's hard to fucking to, to handle when, when folks are doing that shit. Um, and it still happens today. Right, but you got to let that thing go and realize that you did your job. You tried to do it the best that you could. You made a difference where you were at, hopefully. And how everyone else feels about that—that's not your business. That's—it's—it's uh, it's just not your business because they've—they've got to live with what they're saying and what they're doing, and you are already living with what you said and what you did when you raised your hand and took that oath. You know, and then when you discharge and you got your DD-214 or however you got out, you know, you your your time is up. You paid your dues, and and trying to hold on to that that rage about everybody and how they're treating you in the country, you gotta you gotta let it go. Hey, there's that 1025 the Barrier Rock station I was talking about. I'm passing the building right now, right on. It's on my left, passing the station. Um, that if I turn the radio on, I'd hear hear one of their DJs. Anyway, um. So I say all that, and then, you know, I talk about the fucking administration leaving billions and billions of dollars of equipment behind in Afghanistan. That just fucking works me up, man. That works me up. And we've, I've talked... Oops. A little gas bubble there with a cough. Um, I've talked about this on, on other mediums, like on other podcasts, like especially with my brother. When that When that happened, man... That was so irritating. And you're, you're not surprised, but you're definitely disappointed. I mean, the government's been blowing and spending money improperly for, for over a century now. And you see this happen and you're just like, bro, somebody needs to go to fucking prison for this. Because I guarantee you, whenever um, an enlisted man loses any sort of serialized gear and what's serialized gear serialized gear is anything that has a serial number on it that can be tracked for um uh monitoring purposes like who used it last where's it's uh, currently at you know a weapon a pistol a rifle uh radio gear a computer um i mean you name it night vision goggles those are serialized uh trucks are serialized you know and they left trucks tanks fucking helicopters, weapons, rockets, explosives. They left so much stuff behind. And the thing is, is that, yeah, this this happened in the, the, the damn drawdown in the, the uh, exfil from Afghanistan, but they've been doing that kind of stuff where, you know, they realize that the outpost that they've established is not tenable. Uh, it's too easily overrun by enemy positions and firing um, angles. You know, they, they shoot down at you rather than shooting either straight at you or up. You know, and, and they're surrounded by valleys or they're surrounded by mountain ranges or, you know, there's just not a good place to be. It may have seemed like at that seemed that way at the time because of all the foot traffic going through there. But um, this is and what I'm speaking about right now. If you if you know anything about America's 
operational history in Afghanistan. Um, Outpost Restrepo, uh, it had a different name before that. I can't remember what it was. But Outpost Restrepo is the prime example of that. It was at the bottom of fucking mountains. So all these people climbing around these mountains could just shoot down into the base. And um, they made a movie about uh, another base like that. I think it was just called The Outpost. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And uh, it talked about how you know the enemy got inside the wire. What does that mean? That means that the enemy crossed over whatever security barricades you had, and they're inside your base, where you sleep, where you eat, where you make phone calls home. They're there, and they're you know they got AK-47s and RPGs, and they're ready to fuck you up. And um, you know a couple of guys got medals of honor out of that whole attack. But dude, it was a fucking nightmare. You know the guys that had to live through that, they're never gonna be the same. And you know that's because people made decisions that they shouldn't have made. Uh, a long time fucking ago and, and you can't do nothing about it man because you know unless you're the general or the secretary that's leading the entire branch or hell even the fucking president you can't make decisions about you know where's this going to be or that you can get pissed about it and you can complain about it the military t- definitely taught me how to complain I can complain all fucking day but that doesn't change the reality of where your base is at and the fact that people are dying and you know the the goal was is uh, to disrupt operations in that region and prevent further problems. And that happened until we left. And then it all came back again. And it was like, motherfucker. You know, there's a meme out there of this little kid crying. Um, who what the fuck was it? It was the guy that... Uh, damn it. It was a Johnny Depp movie. And it was Freddie Hightower. Um, it was about... Who the fuck was it about? It was about somebody that wrote books. Like children's books. And, uh, anyway, the, the movie, the snapshot of the meme is the kid's on the park bench crying and he's in funeral clothes because his mom died and Johnny Depp is there with him and he's trying to console the kid because the kid's crying. And the meme is, uh, Johnny Depp is a Vietnam fucking veteran and then the, the kid is an Iraq Afghanistan fucking veteran and the Iraq Afghanistan veteran looks at the Vietnam veteran and asks him, was it really worth it? And they both hug. And I'm like, <laughs> I get the the irreverence there, and they're trying to, you know, poke fun and, and have a laugh, but that fucking, that's deep, man. That's deep. I've got some stories of my time over there that are great, that are impactful, that I, I'll always be glad that I have. And I, I made some friends that I'll always be glad that I know. And, I mean, it was, parts of it were, was fucking fantastic. But then... The fact that, you know, I nearly died over there, not once, but more than once, and some of my friends actually did die. One of my guys that I was close to on my first deployment, I haven't heard from him in a decade because he hasn't been right since Afghanistan. Um, other guys I know are amputees. I mean, it's, it doesn't feel like it was worth it, right? I mean, if I go back and I ask him of those people, like, somehow, some magical wish is granted, and uh, the people that want to thank me somehow... A genie fucking pops me over there, and they just say, shukran, 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 and they shake my hand, and that's it. And I was like, oh, okay, so they really did appreciate the stuff that we did for them, and I, the wounds that I treated while I was here, they really did appreciate that. Okay, that makes me feel good. But it's not enough, you know? It's not enough that just a couple of families in different villages you were able to, to impact, and maybe um, two or three guys you kept from dying while you are downrange. That's great. I mean, that's awesome. That is fucking awesome that you uh, saved those guys' life. But it is not enough that it's just those few people. 
you know, it's not enough. And that's and people will start arguing, well, you can't put a number on it because then you start putting a price on life and blah, 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 blah. And I say, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I get that. That's a little um, discompassionate or uh, what's the word for that? Apathetic. Yeah, it's a little bit of apathetic, but um, I get that, that argument. However, I need to see more production and benefit than what I saw. I did not see enough. Did not see enough. And, you know, it's going to stick with us forever. It's going to be in the history books. You know, people like to say we're the world uh, World War undefeated champions. And, I mean, I, yeah, that's while that's true, that doesn't mean that we are undefeated in general. We're not Floyd Mayweather 50-0. and 0. You know, we stepped uh, down a couple of weight classes. We were in the heavyweight, you know, international, worldwide, um, engaging multiple enemies war. Yeah, but then when it came to running around with a bunch of fucking dudes and flip-flops and bedsheets, we couldn't win. Yep, I said it. And there's some videos out there that talk about that, you know. We've got the best equipment and military training that our country has ever known. And some other countries can't even touch us. We've got some of the most professional special forces guys, the most dangerous special forces guys. We've got some incredibly strong infantry we got a powerful Navy and a fast Air Force. we got all kinds of good shit going for us. Yet, with the billions of dollars we spent, we got beat from people running around in the mountains and hiding. And I think a part of that was is that they were going off into other countries and hiding, uh, namely Pakistan and Iran. Um, they were sheltering some of those fighters. And we weren't willing to go to war with the entire Middle East because then that would have been another world war and I, I honestly, you know, that many countries rallied together to push us out, they would have done it. They would have done it. We would have had to deploy our entire military just to fight them off. And that wouldn't have worked because then you got to pull people out of Hawaii, Japan, Germany. And then once we, you know, revealed that we're, you know, that um, exhausted across the world, then we, uh, you know, our enemies start making moves. Russia, China, so on and so forth, North Korea. And um, granted, North Korea is a small country. They're not a major threat. But if our military is engaged across the globe and we don't really have a lot of people back home taking care of us, hell yeah, they're going to fucking strike. So anyway, that's all that. I'm talking and talking and talking. Um, I'm at the grocery store. I'm going to run in and get this cake and do this birthday. Hopefully it's a good one. Hopefully, you know, her 30s didn't kind of suck like mine. <laughs> I'm only halfway through, man, but it could be better. Could be better. Um, I will say that, uh, my thirties are definitely better than my twenties. Definitely better than my twenties. Um, I pissed my twenties off bad, but my thirties are turning around. So we'll see how this goes. But for Jamie, she's just touching 30. She'll touch it tomorrow when it's her actual birthday. Welcome to the crew, the dirty 30. Uh, me, John, Shane. I don't know if Daniel's 30 anymore. I think he might be 40. Shane will be 30, nope, Shane will be 40 this year, god damn it boy, old ass man, 40 years old, 40 and fabulous as our brother-in-law likes to say, um, yep, Shane's gonna be 40 years old this year, I'll be 36, so I'm knocking on the door too, and um, hopefully by then man, I can lose like fucking maybe 20 pounds, I just need to lose 20, 30 pounds, I'll be looking a lot better, and feel better too, shit. I got to get rid of this weight, man. <laughs> John, we need to work out, fool. And not in the gay way. 
in the way that actually helps us lose weight. So don't be coming up with some nasty shit. Anyway, that's it for this podcast. Appreciate y'all tuning in. This is Aaron Rollins from Southeast Third. We did it live and ad-free. Shout out to 102.5 The Bear. Give them a listen. They're a good radio station. Until next time, y'all drink water and take care of yourself. I am signing off.